Welcome to the Out of Home Insider, the loudest voice in Out of Home. We're bringing you actionable insights that you can actually use. And today's guest is going to just drop a ton of those. David Title, he's the CEO of Bravo Media, but CEO means something a little different in his world. He's the Chief Experiential Officer. David, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much, Tim. It's great to be here, man. Really excited. Definitely is. We had a little bit of a hiccup earlier. I thought there was an EMP strike trying to take out the show, but we're back on the grid, which is a good place to be these days. David, talk to me about what Bravo does. You do some really unique stuff, and I think that the audience would be really interested to learn more about what you guys do and then ultimately how you got there. Absolutely. So we uh, consider ourselves a creative production studio. So there is a piece of us that gets involved in all kinds of creative development for video and animation and display and, and all kinds of different formats. Uh, but then on the flip side, we're a completely operational production team uh, with our own uh, soundstage facilities, in-house animators, modelers, developers, engineers, AV technicians. And uh, so we're not just coming up with a big idea and saying, good luck with that. Uh, we're making sure it's stuff that can be actually created and then we make sure it gets done properly and delivered properly. I mean, it, so. it sounds, it sounds like you guys are like, like a movie production studio with, with all the things that you've got going on. How's that tie into out of home? So our work really, uh, always is focused first and foremost in the, in the kind of visual space. We started off, we cut our teeth back in the sort of early mid two thousands in the first big web video boom when suddenly every business in the world needed video content uh, for their website, for YouTube, for Facebook, and then Instagram. And, and most companies until that moment really didn't have much video content. They weren't buying ad space uh, on television because it was expensive sure. and mostly targeted consumer. And maybe that wasn't what B2B wanted, but suddenly everybody could have video content and the world could see it, but they needed it to be, something you wanted to see that was engaging and dynamic. And so we created our first team to really serve that growing need. Uh, and then through that got brought into the kind of the trade show and conference world. And that got us involved in more sort of large format uh, display. And we picked up projection mapping and, and doing content for giant led arrays and touch screens and all these kind of, uh, more uh, closer to out of home in a sense, uh, sort of content. And then as the out of home space became more and more digitized and more and more compelling in terms of the areas where you could create content and display content, uh, the same challenges came up, which was, you know, if traditionally your out of home campaign was a, a, a static billboard uh, and now you have this new opportunity, you need a different kind of content and you need a different kind of approach. Um, and so we began to work with various partners, uh, in some cases directly with brands, in some cases with folks on the, uh, on the inventory side, sometimes with the buyers, uh, always with the same goal, which was helping to create uh, the sort of content that will be engaging and dynamic in that new format. And that really is how we stepped into the out-of-home space. And since then, it's really expanded. And, you know, I think 
the biggest area that we've been uh, exploring heavily is, is really the, the way in which projection is becoming a part of the out-of-home space. Right, and, and, and a little bit later on, I'm going to share some of the video that you shared with me because I thought it was really interesting. I thought that the audience would like to see it. And, and really, if, if you're listening to this on, on one of the podcast platforms, I encourage you to go back and, and pull this episode up on YouTube as well because we're going to show some of the stuff that David and his team do. It's really impressive and takes advantage of really non-traditional spaces. And you talked about it there for a second. You've got you know, multiple different entities who engage you for the thing that you do, which is really bring surfaces to life. So what what has typically transpired along the brand's journey or throughout the campaign development that brings a brand, brings an agency to you at Bravo Media and says, hey, we'd like to do this. Yeah. It, what, what, what does that look like? So typically, it's it's when there's an opportunity to uh, to capitalize on on, on non traditional inventory in some way or another. You know, if you're looking to fill up a bunch of uh, highway billboards that are standard rectangles and you can't have much motion and you need you know a thousand repetitions of this sort of piece, it's probably not what we're gonna end up being the shop for. But when, uh, for instance, we worked with the T-Mobile Arena, uh, who had all these unique opportunities to create inventory uh, that was going to get somebody to pay attention, and they had these giant escalators uh, with fully exposed undersides, and we turned those into big uh, pieces of out-of-home advertising for them, and then worked with each of those brands to maximize the value of that new uh, new space that they probably didn't have anything in the library that was built for you know something that was feet long. Oh, there, yeah, that's the uh, those are the little escalators there. Um, and so we're always interested in uh, you know, and you can actually see a lot of the other signage that's in the space. Uh, in the more traditional areas, and you can see why this became a really exciting and intriguing place for brands and for, you know, internally promoting uh, what was going on in the arena from moment to moment. It, right. It's a super engaging use of the space. My particular favorite through those are the, are the rollers that kind of make you feel like you're looking up underneath an escalator. Because as a kid, that's a kind of cool thing, right? Yeah. But there was a lot of different things that you use the space for, the motion, the different colors and different schemes within that, that, that brand context there. So and now that, that makes sense, right? And you know, using different spaces, how do you think that that ties into this whole push for hyperlocal, right? I, I happen to think that we see more stuff like this but as more brands are considering, how do I stay within this radius of this hot spot center place where I'd like to be, how do you see those two things working together? Well, you know, one of the things that's exciting generally in the whole digital out of home space is that you have all of these displays which are programmable and addressable and, and you know, can create these very dynamic experiences, but to make them work, it always comes back to the content. You can have all the screens in the world, but if that content doesn't engage the person walking by into the experience, then it doesn't really have a lot of value. 
And so I think the, the real challenge with all of these projects is developing content that's going to stand out against the, uh, you know, the noise that's all around us. And, you know, whether that's taking advantage of some of the, you know, additional sensory elements that, you know, a lot of front facing cameras on these signs now, which can be tapped into in ways that aren't creepy. Let's, aren't yeah, so terrifying. let's talk about that because that was the, when you shared the story about Revlon, I was like, that, that's awesome. Without even having really seen it, just conceptually said, we've got to talk about this. We've got to have it on the show. I'm going to pull it up on the screen here. Maybe just talk talk through what you guys did with the front-facing cameras, how that content really is the piece that matters most. Yeah, and, you know, uh, we always joke about this one, which was, uh, you know, what a shock. It turns out people really love to have pictures of themselves. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's good to stay tried and true sometimes. But the idea for this was, this was in Times Square uh, on 43rd, I believe, in Broadway. And the uh, concept was it showed nice Revlon B-roll, cool stuff. And then uh, intermittently, a front-facing camera would come on and you would see a view of the pedestrian area that was right below the sign. And of course, everyone would look up and see themselves and wave, just like, uh, just like the classic kiss cam uh, at the stadium, but now you're in Times Square. And uh, a model who was superimposed would walk in over the scene, look out of the crowd and wave, and then draw a red heart around everybody. And if you were in the center of that heart, there'd be a countdown and a flash, and then it would become a special up on the sign and hold long enough for you to get out your phone and take a picture, and you'll see sort of the walkthrough of this. So there's the front-facing camera and the heart, and then that moment, and that the photo, the money shot that everyone gets, they shared it on social like it was on fire. I'm sure, uh, right? You're on a you're on a billboard in Times Square, and you know it really. You know there were a lot of lessons from that, uh, but the core one is that people want to be engaged uh, and want to have an experience. And if you can find ways to deliver that, whether it's on a large scale or a small scale, uh, it's really it can be really effective. Um, you know, I think front-facing cameras, even you know, getting, not thinking about, you know, facial tracking and, and, you know, the complicated right, just things. Using like that, them as just using the engagement piece. Knowing that you're, knowing if a sign knows that I am present, that is, that is dynamic and interesting. If my motion past it creates something to happen, that's interesting. Uh, if there are ways for me to increase that engagement, uh, you know, via a tie into a mobile application, that's, ex that can be more exciting. But it's really trying to think beyond, you know, I think a lot of the digital signs I see out there is still being treated like a poster. Yeah, um, listen, and, and, and I think too, it's important to have this conversation around the content, around the creativity behind it, because so much of the conversation right now is data, targeting, measurement, and none of it matters for shit if the creative isn't good and the content isn't engaging throw all that stuff out we, the window. So we have, we have a constant conversation that we call data versus delight. And uh, I'm always arguing with folks about, you know, the value of data versus the value of delight. And everyone likes data because it's just so easy to look at numbers and quantifying and, and putting it in a spreadsheet and putting it on a chart. And you can look at it in a deck and 
everyone can agree like those are those are the that look at that data we have a lot of it um delight <laughs> my is data's like, bigger than yours get all my data um but delight is really hard to to treat in that way but it turns out to be the thing that's got all the value um you know all the data with no delight is worthless and the value of actually delighting somebody is is exponential it's like this i'm drinking this delicious here, here's a plug for a local farm klein farms if you're in eastern pennsylvania today's episode brought to you by klein farms it's this like smoothie yogurt thing and as you talk about like i'm sure it's got healthy ingredients in it right it's from the farm it's got this nice little cow on it i'm sure that the the data points in this are great data points. Yep. The only thing I care about is it tastes delicious. That's it. That's it. It's, that's it. Like, and no matter if it tasted terrible, no matter how good I told you it was for you, you wouldn't want to drink it. Right. You could tell me it was made with the best strawberries and the best milk and all of the best stuff. But if it's trash, I'm still not going to drink it, let alone buy it. Yeah. And I think, I think there's, a, there's just a lot of, you know, sort of missed opportunity out there in in general in the marketing world, but in the in the digital out of home, it it really is. You know, it's disappointing when you see you know a great piece of signage with you know I, I live in Midtown Manhattan, you know, you know, literally thousands of people walking by, and nobody's connecting to it because there's nothing there to connect to. All right, give me, give me, um, give me, give me an advertiser that you've seen recently. Give them a free idea right now. What's something that they could just make it so cool? Is it the M and M's doing something different? Is it what's one idea? I mean, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can give that away. That that's how we got into trouble in the first. It's place. all right because they're still gonna need to execute it, and they have to call you anyway. I mean, I I think it's I think it really is looking at you know, looking at the content that you're putting up and, and asking if it's something that you would stop and take a look at. And that's a great, that's, that's a the, great bar, right? Would you, know, you stop? I think, you know, so often we just, uh, you know, everyone goes, Oh, that's pretty. Uh, or that's on brand. Right. I like uh, those colors. They're, that's a great, you know, the logo is big enough. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, but that's not what people care about. And so you got to really look at something and be like, what I, what would stop me? What would, you know, what would engage me for a moment? And, you know, I think a lot of that is, you know, tapping into, into creatives that make things that look and feel uh, engaging and delightful. So and, and it's not graphic design. <laughs> you said something in there, like what would stop you, right? So I, I want you to talk me through this last one that, that, that you share with me. I'm like, I like gritty things, right? I think that the next video of how you use some sort of gritty services and a kind of gritty brand, like there's just yep. a lot of really subtle things that came together to make this powerful. And as we'll see uh, in the clip that it makes people stop. So I'm, yep. I'm just going to throw that up. Talk to me about the AMC projection project that you guys did. Uh, if you're watching or listening, this is where you'd want to go back and, and watch. Yeah, so 
we were asked to do what was, you know, at the end of the day, essentially a guerrilla campaign. Uh, there were uh, some cases in which uh, things were all done uh, in a fully, uh, you know, direct way and, and other moments that were opportunistic. Uh, but the idea was, you know, again, a quick one night hit to get the word out around the, the uh, premiere of this show and to find surfaces where we could take advantage for short periods of time of, of getting that message out and, and seen in uh, unexpected locations and unexpected moments. And, you know, at the same time, all of the content for it is, you know, really big and bright and uh, short because your engagement moment is very minimal, uh, but very few words, very little to say, everything based in, you know, bold color, bold image. And Massive you know, clip a that lot came of it to was, mind people are stopping. Yeah. And I think it's the same, it's the same idea. The thing that we love always about projection mapping is it lets you take advantage of the unexpected to, you know, make content appear in places where you don't expect to see it in ways that you don't expect to see it. Um, that's always what makes it most successful. That's why the escalators are so successful. You know, that's why we think it's such a cool, uh, you know, platform. And now that the projectors themselves are technically viable for long-term installation, you can do a lot more with it. And just to be clear, like, like this, this was one night, one crew, one truck, like one night, one crew, one truck, every single location you're seeing in this. I think it's super cool. And like, I live in the suburbs, right? We talked about it a little bit. I live like an hour West of, of New York city, but somebody that comes to the city like that's what that's what i expect is my city experience yep. um is to see something that i'm not going to see in my town like yeah we've got billboards here too that's that's the kind yep. of thing that for me defines a city experience when, when a brand comes to you and says hey i want to do this thing um and i want to do it in one of these main metropolitan areas why is that why, well, why is the focus in that market? I think it, you know, part of it depends on what the overall goal is. A lot of the big outdoor projection mapping work that we've done, uh, especially things that are, uh, you know, full building takeovers and, and things like that are really being done for all of the long tail value of what that video behind it is going to get you in terms of sharing and everybody who was at the event and at the moment, filming it themselves and posting it and sharing it. Uh, so a lot of the value in some of the big kind of stunt uh, projection mapping is in all of the sort of global social that you can get out of that and, and legitimate press as well. Uh, so that's I really a big... like that. It's a conversation hub. I'm yeah. For a place where I can strike a match, light a fire yep. and have it spread. Yep. And we get some crazy, I mean, you know, so a lot of the requests we get are things you're like, you, you can't do that. So we had a request from a, a unnamed brand to projection map onto the face of the Statue of Liberty. Um, aside, from, aside from mentioning that the Statue of Liberty faces out to sea, so nobody would actually see it. Um, It'd just be a cool thing to say you did. It would be, but uh, the numerous reasons why that was, you know, 
not really viable uh, or, or plenty enough. But, um, and, and there are certainly, we were, you know, some, to a certain degree, depending on the, the city and, and the, what's happening, uh, you can get away with a fair amount of kind of very quick hit guerrilla projection mapping. Uh, you have to be willing to deal with the consequences. There can be fines, there can be summons. Uh, depends on the brand's willingness to deal with some of that stuff. Uh, and there are some times when you will say it's not worth our risk. Uh, somebody, somebody wanted to, you know, uh, project onto the facade of the Trump building uh, on Fifth Avenue, which is literally surrounded by trucks with machine guns. Yeah, that um, seems like a good way to get sent to Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, so we're like, you know what, we're not, no, no. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sure you'll find somebody who's willing. Maybe like do it at us. the golf course in Bedminster. Like, yeah, pick something a little less. Uh, you know, there were like there was like these guys early on in the in the when uh, Trump was first watching that were projecting nightly right onto his hotel in D.C. Um, and they finally got yelled at. But uh, you know, so in some cases you can get away with some of that guerrilla stuff. But it really is it's a coin toss, and you could get shut down, and that's the end of the night. Um, sure. On the other hand, there are lots of places where you can get permission and get permitted pretty easily and, and often not at great expense to do these sort of stunt one night only or short term giant displays uh, that I think can be extremely effective and generate all kinds of ancillary benefit. Right. And then, uh, you know, I think especially right now with you know, a lot of the social distancing and everything else, if you're looking to make a big impact, you're not going to be doing it at a big sporting event. You're not going to be doing it at a festival. So create your own moments, go big, and then let that, you know, ripple out through the, through the environment. For sure, right? Tie it back into that whole hyper-local idea. How could you use um, maybe a space that isn't being used, but could be to yeah. get that core audience in you know brooklyn or or in a you know specific neighborhood that you're looking to spark that fire and and back to how you guys started in the game and i think it shows well with the videos even the clips that we shared here is that there's such a content opportunity as a brand just around doing this the, the gorilla thing yeah. right because it's the behind the scenes that we all want to see it's the reason why we watch reality tv like we know what the finished product looks like. We want to see what happens to get there. Do you have brands that take advantage, tag along, create more content from oh. the whole experience? Yeah, well, we actually, is, uh, you know, because we really, part of our roots are in video production and we still have a full video production facility and team, we will almost always have a B crew that's documenting the entire experience and uh, typically make that as either if the client's looking for something elaborate, that's kind of part of this package that's put together. And sometimes it's just a value add that we're able to give to the client uh, as, a, as a way for them to be able to share everything that went down. But, you know, there are definitely, we have worked on events um, where it was very clear that the value and the investment going into it was in the shareable assets coming out of it, not in the 150 people that were at that moment. That's so valuable to because it it creates this this really quantifiable value beyond just whatever the campaign is. Is yeah. how how 
how much can you use of it, right? It's harvesting an animal and using every piece of it to do something with. Uh, you know, if you think about an, if you think about an investment, you know, if you're going to put $100,000 into an out-of-home campaign and you could spread that across X number of boards or whatever and this or that, or you could do a one-night, you know, extravagant moment that then actually gets you out into the wider marketplace through social, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of value in, in, in considering those opportunities. It makes sense. So listen, if there's somebody listening right now, an agency, a brand, uh, maybe someone who's got some property and they, they want to start specking it. Light out, it up. Let's right? do it. Where, how do they find you? Where should they go? Where, where are you guys at? So bravomedia.com is the website. Uh, you can always hit me directly on my email, david at bravomedia.com. And uh, yeah, would love to uh, chat to anyone who's interested in, in learning more or getting involved in some way or looking to be a partner or uh, uh, just shoot the shit about projection. <laughs> yeah, listen, guys, we could go on for hours about this stuff. David has a wealth of knowledge and can pretty much turn whatever you're dreaming up into a reality. So I encourage you, go check out the links. We'll make sure to put them in the show notes so that you can just go back, look it up, click it and do whatever's uh, most, most convenient. But I want to say, David, thank you so much, man. Thanks for, thanks for being a part of this and doing it. And I've learned a ton. Um, awesome. It's been cool. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on and, and I've really enjoyed watching some of the other episodes and it's a pleasure to join the crew. Awesome. We're happy to have you as an out-of-home insider. For all you insiders out there, make sure to click the subscribe button. Go to OOHswag.com. You can use the promo code INSIDER. 10% off all your favorite I Love Out of Home gear, swag, all that stuff. David, crew, we'll see you guys next time.